discuss their experience, strength, and hope. And at the end of our speaker share, we will take questions. Please enter your questions in the chat box and they will be read and answered in the order they are received. When the speaker starts, the chat will be disabled to eliminate crosstalk as it is distracting to the speaker. We also ask that if you are on video, you act as if you are in a meeting and not be on your phone. The speaker will be recorded audio only. Thank you and please help me welcome our guest speaker for tonight, Bill N from Alberta Unity Group in Buford, Georgia. I have to unmute you, but I don't know where you are. Hold on one second. I'm unmuted. Oh, thank I'm you. Good. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Billy, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, my my uh, home group is the Alberta Unity Group. Uh, my sobriety date is January the 5th of 1990. Um, you'll know quickly, I do not have a Southern accent. I got sober up in New York. Um, so, uh, my job here tonight is to talk about the doctor's opinion, and I'm going to refer to a couple of things. Um, I'm going to mostly refer to the big book. I am, however, going to refer to some other AA history um, to set the stage for the doctor's opinion, which I think is super important. And I'm also going to talk about how working with others the chapter in the big book is basically how to use the doctor's opinion. And um, so I have no idea. I know some people on this call or Zoom. I, I, I have no idea who's been sober a long time, a little time, doesn't matter. But, you know, one of the things I know is that most people in AA or before they came to AA have seen one of those like tragic AA movies, either My Name is Bill W or Bill W or Lois Remembers. And there is a very famous scene in all of those movies that everybody remembers that has a lot to do with the doctor's opinion. Um, and that scene is when Bill, remember he got left Towns Hospital in December of 1934, sober. And in the spring of 1934, before he went to Akron, the scene in the movie is him and Lois in their kitchen. And he is depressed because he has been unable to get anyone sober. No one has sobered up. And everyone remembers Lois's response, which is, but you're sober. That's all that matters to me. Now, that does coincide with a line in the big book further after the doctor's opinion that says intensive work with other alcoholics will ensure our sobriety. But if we think about the history, if Bill remained batting zero for zero, Lois would have died with a sober husband and none of us would be on Zoom right now. Like his approach was not working. It was a total failure. And I have another book next to me, Not God, which it's not an AA book, but it is a history of Alcoholics Anonymous. I hope everyone gets a chance to read it. Um, but when Bill went out to Akron, something important that's not in our big book and not in the movies happened before he went there. He went back and saw Dr. Silkworth. 
And when he went back and saw Dr. Silkworth, he explained that he was having no success. And Dr. Silkworth asked him to tell him about his approach. What was he doing? And Bill explained his approach and Dr. Silkworth told him, basically, no wonder you're a failure. You cannot go deal with people who are detoxing and active alcoholics and tell them that you were in a hospital and the window blew open in the middle of the night and God came in looking like a big gust of wind that put you on a mountain in the clouds. Um, that's not going to work. You have to stick to the medical estimate of alcoholism. You have to get those people to identify with you that you have the same thing wrong with you that they have with them. And, and one of the things, you know, listen, I'm sure I'll say some things that people don't agree with, but you can't find really the ism talked about in the doctor's opinion. The doctor's opinion is really about the allergy. And most of the first half of the 106 pages of the big book that contain from the doctor's opinion of working with others, a lot of times you hear people say in AA that alcohol is only mentioned in the first step. I would not be one of those people. Uh, alcohol is only contained in a first step if the only place you read about the steps is off the wall in a meeting. Um, and Joe and Charlie would say you have an off the wall program if that's the only place you read the steps or work the steps. In the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, where the first uh, like I said, 106 pages, almost half of those 106 are dedicated to step one, to the physical allergy and the mental obsession. Um, I don't know if anybody listens to Don P CDs or recordings at all. Um, I do. And, and I got to know him pretty well. It was very interesting when you went to sometimes a Don P big book study he would say, everybody open up their books and let's read from page one. And Don would read, we of Alcoholics Anonymous believe. And the rest of the room would read, war favor ran high in the New England town to which we knew young officers from Plattsburgh were assigned. And Don would stop everybody right there and say, that's one of the problems in Alcoholics Anonymous today. When the book was written, the doctor's opinion was page one, not a Roman numeral. It was page one of this textbook. Um, you have to know what's wrong with you in order to fix it. That's a general premise of Alcoholics Anonymous. And Dr. Silkworth told Bill that. And again, if you've watched the movies about Bill meeting with Bob on Mother's Day, 1935, um, Bill, um, I don't need, have to go into the whole story, but Bob only wanted to give him 15 minutes, and that meeting wound up going a couple of hours, and when Dr. Bob was asked later on why it went a couple of hours, Dr. Bob always responded that it was the first time he ever sat down and talked to someone who understood what it was like to be him. 
he couldn't say, but you don't understand. It wasn't that Bill took Dr. Silkworth's advice and stayed to the medical estimate. Now I'm going to go to the big, to the doctor's opinion. Um, and I'm going to read a couple of things, but here is what it says. We of Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the reader will be interested in the medical estimate of the plan of recovery described in this book. Exactly what Dr. Silkworth told Bill before he went to Akron. You have to stick to the medical estimate of alcoholism. And I'll get to later um, to working with others. But stick to the facts. And in working with others, they give us some advice of what to stay away from. Now, I love the doctor's opinion because I think there's some great sections. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But remember, I'm a kid who has not crossed the line. I've never had a line in my story. I only know about having the allergy from that first night in the woods, listening to heavy metal music around a fire, drinking two eight-packs of the old Miller Small Pony bottles. Um, that's my story. Um, but I didn't know about the allergy for a long time. But as you go into the doctor's opinion, you know, and right now, if you have a fourth edition, I'm on Roman numeral 25 XXV. And there it says, in late 1934, I attended a patient who thought he had been a competent businessman of good earnings capacity, was an alcoholic as the type I had come to regard as hopeless. And when I read this book, I have to ask myself that question. Am I the type of alcoholic that others had come to regard as hopeless? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes. It's yes by the time I'm 15 years old, never mind my early 20s before I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. There's another line at the bottom of XXV that says, I personally know scores of cases who were the type with, with other methods had failed completely. I need to ask myself that question. Am I the type? with whom other methods had failed completely. Yes, every one of them. Punishment didn't work. The things that we talk about and more about alcoholism didn't work. I didn't even know that the first drink got you drunk. I thought that meant you weren't a good drinker. First time I heard that, I was a teenager. I was like, how can you have, even have a problem with alcohol if the first drink gets you drunk? Makes no sense to me. By the time I was a senior in high school, I just wanted to stay away from like the first shot after the eighth tall boy. You know, I had convinced myself that normal drinkers only drink a six pack. Like maybe I'll just have a six pack. Um, but again, it's before I knew about this allergy. If you go on to page uh, Roman numeral 27 XXVII, um, where the doctor expands on what he writes, he says, the subject presented in this book seems to be of paramount importance to those afflicted with the alcoholic addiction. And I have to ask myself, is the subject presented in this book paramount importance to me? And the answer is absolutely. 
It then says, we doctors have realized for a long time that some form of moral psychology was urgent importance to alcoholics, but its application pre presented difficulties beyond our con conception. I had to ask myself, did I need some form of moral psychology? And then we go to one of my favorite paragraphs in the whole book on the next page, Roman numeral 28, XXVII, the first full paragraph. We believe and so suggested a few years ago that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy. That the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, their problems pile up and become astonishingly difficult to solve. There's a lot of questions for me in there. Um, can I never safely use alcohol at all? Once having started drinking, did I find I couldn't break it? Did my problems pile up and become astonishingly difficult to solve? Absolutely. I'm a yes to like every statement if you turn this into questions in the doctor's opinion. And then it says, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. The message which can attest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. No, I can't go to my dictionary. I don't have a lot of time tonight and start looking up words. But what is frothy emotional appeal? Um, I'm a big believer in the doors of AA should be wide open, as wide as can, you can imagine in your head. And the chairs should be uncomfortable and the coffee bad and, and people should be able to find out if they suffer from alcoholism. Um, but if I have contact with one of them in the parking lot, in a diner, I have to remember that frothly emotional appeal seldom suffices. I have to be willing to tell them that um, I have a book that we could start going through. And this book will help you find out the most important question that you probably will answer, which is, are you an alcoholic or are you not? So many times we hear people say, oh, Nobody shows up in mistake to an AA meeting. Well, that's just not my, I just celebrated 30 years. That's not my experience. I know tons of people who were in AA and left and had horrible, tragic results. I know other people that wound up in AA from a DWI or something else they got jammed up in. And they were not alcoholic. This book is what we use to help qualify people. And we don't do the qualifying. We, we let them qualify themselves. It says at the bottom of that page, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they attempt admit it is injurious, they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. I could not differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. It seemed the only normal one that I knew of. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense and ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks. 
I'm restful, uh, irritable, and discontented if the alarm clock goes off. I like the alarm clock to go off at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I hope that there's a pack of cigarettes next to the alarm clock with at least one cigarette. And hopefully something to light it with. And then maybe I get to Dunkin' Donuts or 7-Eleven and get an iced tea or a cup of coffee. And maybe I make it another hour and a half. And I don't want to go too much into the mental obsession, but that's what happens. As, a doc, as more about alcoholism says, I forget the consequences of the night before, the week before, the year before, the month before. I get uncomfortable in my own skin, sober. And what happens? I know to feel comfortable in my own skin, I should drink. Now, the allergy looks the same in a lot of people. The mental obsession, people describe it differently. One of the best ways I hear it described is my mental obsession tells me I don't have the allergy. That is very dangerous. Very dangerous. That at 6.30, 7 o'clock at night, after I've had my first cup of coffee of the day, and I feel uncomfortable on my own skin, my brain actually tells me that maybe tonight I can drink safely because I didn't know about this allergy. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful, with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over unless this person can experience an entire psychic change there is little hope of his recovery. The bottom of page uh, 29, XXIX, really talks about the allergy. I do not hold with those who believe alcoholism is entirely a problem of mental control. I have men, many men who have had, for example, worked a period of months on some problem or business deal, which was to be settled on a certain date favorably to them. They took a drink a day or so prior to the date, and the phenomenon of craving at once became paramount to all other interests, so that important appointment was not met. That's a huge question for me in my life. Um, have I ever taken a drink prior to an important date, and the phenomenon of craving at once became paramount to all other of my interests, so that important, my important appointment wasn't kept? Absolutely, yes. These men were not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. I am physically different from other people. I know a lot of what I say is contrary to what is taught today in lots of places, and I'm okay with it. This is what I believe. You know, um, I think that line is so important. Um, they were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. Not that I had some ism, not that I was this. We're not talking about the mental obsession right now. We're talking strictly that I cannot safely drink at all. At the bottom of this, there's a lot of gray areas, you might say in the big book. You could argue and say, well, no, he meant this or he meant that. But there's a line at the bottom of Roman numeral 30, XXX, um, it is the one, two, three, four, fifth full paragraph. All these and many others have one symptom in common. That means everybody in AA could be completely different than me. 
but they have one thing in common with me. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. We all that have in common. That's first part of the physical and mental obsession. Um, I love the end of the doctor's opinion. However, he did become sold on certain ideas contained in this book. He has not drank for a great many years. Have I become sold on the ideas contained in this book? Have I not drank for a great many years? Absolutely. And then he ends describing me. I came into AA at 14 and got sober a month before my 24th birthday. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through. And though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. I have been a scoffer since the day I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, the ultimate scoffer. But God had his joke on me. I remain to pray. So I just want to go to working with others because to me, this is so important with the doctor's opinion. Because it's telling you to do the same thing that Dr. Silkworth told Bill to do that he did with Dr. Bob. It says on page 90 of the big book, when you discover a, pro a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time to persuade him. Get an idea of his behavior, his problems, his background, and the seriousness of his condition and his religious leanings. You need this information to put yourself in his place to see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned. Such important advice. Then let his family or a friend ask him if he wants to quit for good, not for today. We, we, we throw out that day at a time thing all the time. That's how we work the program. The instructions in the book say, if he wants to quit for good, and if he would good, go to any extreme to do so, if he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered, which is exactly the conversation Bill had with Dr. Bob. And you go over to page 91, and it's so, it's exactly the doctor's opinion. At first engage in general conversation, after a while, turn the talk to some phase of drinking. Tell him about your drinking habits, symptoms, and experiences encouraging him to speak for himself. If he is not communicative, give him a sketch of your drinking career up to the time you quit. But say nothing for the moment of how that was accomplished. Stay away from the other steps. Stay away from God. Don't slam the book down their throat. Give him a sketch of your drinking career up to the time you quit. When he sees you know all about the drinking game, commence to describe yourself as an alcoholic. Tell him how baffled you were, how you finally learned you were sick. Give him an account of the struggles you made to stop. Show him the mental twist which leads to the first drink of a spree. He will match your mental inconsistency with some of his own. And then it says right there, if you are satisfied that he is a real alcoholic, begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. Same wording, hopeless, that Dr. Silkworth used in the doctor's opinion. 
show him from your own experience how the queer mental condition surrounding that first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower. Don't at this stage refer to this book. And then it says later, continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness, a fatal malady. Talk about the conditions of the body and mind which accompany it. Keep his attention focused mainly on my, your personal experience. Explain that many are doomed who never realize their predicament. You will soon have your friend admitting he has many, if not all, of the traits of an alcoholic. I love that working with others syncs so well up with the doctor's opinion to help us to help new people find out what's wrong with them. Um, I did not know I had an allergy. I'm the guy who's in more about alcoholism. I remember one time an older guy at DWI school, which for me might mean he was like 30 or 35, right? But an older guy told me, maybe you should switch to white wine spritzers. You won't get in so much trouble. I didn't even not know what a white wine spritzer was. Had no idea. Bartles and James had, hadn't even invented the wine cooler yet. So I had no idea what a white wine spritzer was. But I remember going to a bar. And you know what I remember? I can drink like 40 white wine spritzers. That's what I remember. And I have the allergy. I did not know that. I did not know that I had no physical defense against drinking. That's why when I hear things, I try to keep AA, AA. And I don't care what the outside world talks about. I do care when the outside world brings outside stuff into AA, like harm reduction. We're going to try to reduce the harm of the alcoholic and, and let them know that if they drink again, well, don't worry, you can always come back to AA. That's not my message. I welcome the newcomer back regardless of how many times they've been in and out. But I am not arrogant enough to promise them that they will always get a door that opens back into AA. I am not arrogant to let them think that maybe they'll be able to control their drinking. Um, I know that if they're like me, I don't get to pick up a drink and come back to AA on Sunday night. I did that almost my whole teenage years. And I never, I've never come back to AA on a Sunday night, ever. If I decide I'm going to a party on a Friday or Saturday night, it's over. It's off to the races. I had so many people. You know, and sure, I'm the person who's had people pull over the car, my mother and my father, into a parking lot. I don't know why we're stopping. They put the car in park. They look at me and they basically say, can you get your head out of your ass? Can you just act right? Can you just like be like everybody else? And the, the answer, which I didn't really know at the time, is no, I can't. Physically, once I take a drink, I am done. I absolutely can't act like everybody else. 
And mentally, if you knew what it like, if you knew what I felt like when I was sober, you wouldn't ask me why I drank. You would never ask me that if you could feel how I feel when I'm sober. I, I wish um, that I knew all this a long time ago. Um, I wish that I had some idea about the allergy. Um, but you only really find that out if you go through the doctor's opinion. Um, I'm also not afraid to say, um, you know, that the doctor's opinion, there's plenty of other fellowships that use our book. There's tons. Some have their own literature, but some use our book. But inside Alcoholics Anonymous, when we're going through the big book, we're talking about drinking. People want to twist words, alcohol in any form. Um, uh, when that was written, uh, that meant beer, rum, uh, rye, whiskey, bourbon. Um, not what it's twisted in by, by uh, how it's twisted. Now, other fellowships use it, and how they use it is up to them. But for me, we're talking about drinking. I also know um, that I want people to come into Alcoholics Anonymous and find out if they're an alcoholic. I think that's uh, in, in the chapter, um, I just want to go to more about alcoholism a second. On page 30 is a great description. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. All of us felt the times we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. It doesn't mean that we become more alcoholic. Being alcoholics, like being pregnant, you either are or you're not. But do my outside world get worse? Yes. By the time I was a, a sophomore in high school, all I thought about on a Friday morning is, where are we drinking Friday night? Who has money for beer? Whose brother or sister can buy us? Um, by the time I was in 11th grade, the only thing I thought about on a Monday morning was I can't make it to Friday night. All these other kids can make it to Friday night. I, can't, I can make it to maybe Wednesday, preferably Tuesday, but maybe Wednesday. Um, but I have to have an open mind. And, you know, a lot of people probably know the set aside prayer. And I love that prayer. But if I want an open mind and a new experience, my mind is the one that has to be open, not the one of the person I'm taking the big book through the big book. My mind needs to be open that it's possible they may go through this book with me and determine they're not an alcoholic. And I am not in the results business. I am also not in the business of being able to plan someone or schedule their spiritual experience. I can lead them there. Um, but if someone tells me maybe they're an Al-Anon, I'm also not afraid to admit that in the last, and I want every alcoholic, regardless of any other problem, to have a home in AA. Period, end of sentence. I wanna scream that loud and clear.
If you're an alcoholic, I don't care what other problem you have. I could care less. Uh, I've yet to meet anyone else. Maybe tonight's Zoom meeting, the first time someone's going to tell me they have no other problems besides alcoholism. Great. I've not met that person yet. However, that's what binds us together, that one single soul purpose. My experience is in the last five years, I know more people who have OD'd than in the whole previous 25 from heroin and opiates. That's just a fact. And, and what I have to be responsible for is not forcing someone to be an alcoholic. If they tell me that they have another problem, that's very close to what's described in the doctor's opinion, but they don't drink. Um, then I have a duty, I feel, a sacred obligation to get them to the fellowship that can help them. Not just tell them to leave. Actually, maybe go to a meeting with them. Um, and for me, truthfully, even if you're a new person today, I just have uh, don't want to feel I, I, I take the responsibility very seriously. Um, I want people to identify. And that doctor's opinion helps us identify as an alcoholic and helps us identify with the allergy. And the reason the doctor's opinion is so important is because it's what starts out our big book. And then at the last section in step 12 in working with others, it's the advice Dr. Silkworth gives that we use to how do we deal with new people? Not talking about their divorce, not talking about um, they're losing a job, not talking about how much they own the, owe the IRS. That's all nice, but none of that makes you an alcoholic. Talking about the things talked about in the doctor's opinion, specifically when it comes to the doctor's opinion, the physical craving, the allergy, and then, of course, talking about the mental obsession. So, uh, I'm really uh, glad you asked me to come out here tonight. I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. And uh, I've never probably loved Alcoholics Anonymous more than they have than I have the last couple of weeks. Um, I think um, I'm a very lucky and blessed person to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank you very much. Thank you so 